0: to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by thehockeythinktank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go if you want a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We bring on the head coach of Arizona State, Greg Powers, and this was a fantastic conversation. Coach Powers comes from the Midwest. Indianapolis, Indiana, and get a little bit into his childhood. Awesome, awesome stories there. Uh, Went to Arizona State uh, as a student, played club hockey there, studied journalism, and was actually a Hall of Fame goaltender at the school. uh, Went on into the business world, the recruiting world, before moving on to be a uh, head coach for the program at the ACHA Division I club level, won a national championship there. Uh, Then he elevated and was instrumental in making Making Arizona State a Division One program, uh, they made their first NCAA tournament two years ago. Uh, would have made the NCAA tournament this year, uh, and just incredible, incredible story. And this was an awesome conversation. But before we do get over to Coach Powers, let's bring on another awesome guy and Jeff Furilevecchio. that's what's going on? Hey, right, what's up, Tov? Not much. What's going on with you? <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: you know just just living the life here uh I was supposed to go see my brand new nephew my sister gave birth on monday i believe and i was supposed to go see my nephew yesterday and got about halfway to kansas city and got a call from them saying the doctor decided that it's probably smarter and safer not to see the little guy which i was all for anyways I was a little nervous to go see him with everything that's going on i'd rather be safe than sorry So don't get to see my new nephew, baby, baby Leo Liggins. Happy birthday, baby Leo. But uh, other than that, man, I'm good. I mean, we can't really complain about anything. And this, this podcast, like I came home right from a workout, we call coach and I immediately got pumped up and I wanted to go work out again. Like I want to play. You asked him at the end, can I play for you? And I was like, man, I want to play for this guy. (laughs) Like, Like just such a cool story for so many different people to hear. Like how you, how he got from one place to just a level that's just so much higher than that. And he's killing it at the higher level. I love it. I Absolutely love it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I came from a workout. Um, <clears throat> I came from a workout <laughs> too. And so I was really tired too, man. Like I was just, I bagged myself. It was just, you know, it was crazy. Just, you know, how jacked I'm getting. So, um, yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, but this was bad. Like, I, I legit, like, there were a couple times, like, when he was talking about his mom, like, I kind of, like, started to get a little bit tearied. And just such a cool story, his story and the story of Arizona State. I know, obviously, firsthand how hard it is to build a program. And, and I came into a program with a tradition, with uh, incredible, you know, infrastructure and, and all that kind of stuff. And I know how hard it is to build. And he did that from nothing. Him and the people he surrounded himself with, the job that they have been able to do, I mean, it's, it's, I don't even know what the word, like it's it's so far beyond incredible that um, just hearing how they did it and, and their culture and, and what they believe in and what they value. Um, I mean, it's just it was such a great conversation, such an uplifting conversation, such like a, a motivating conversation too. And I, I kind of meant it when I said it, like I was ready to go stra- strap my skates back on and get her going. Um, and uh, it is funny because people joke it's Arizona state. So, you know, it's in the desert and, Pools and palm trees and all that, but like you you have the conversation with coach there, and and yeah, you really understand why they were able to to get to where they are.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this is a really important episode for for coaches to listen to, especially coaches who maybe didn't play in the NHL or AHL or the coast or or D one, because like here we here we are talking about a coach of a D one program that didn't play, you know, past ACHA one club so like this is exactly what ryan hardy was talking about on his twitter last week anybody who's looking to get into hockey who hasn't played at you know quote-unquote higher levels like here's kind of things that we've done you know or, or people have done and we're going to bring on some people that are at these levels And i think that's so cool and he talks about he said think outside the box like four or five separate times and i love that i love like people who are trying to f- implement Way things from like the business world, or something from a baseball coach, and you know, you guys talked about some football coach. Obviously, I don't know footballs, (laughs) you know, and and I like why am I? Why can't I be quarterback? That's why, Brucey. Anyways, so I just (laughs) longest yard. What's up? I just think that he's he's got such a (laughs) cool way of seeing things. So I think a lot of coaches are going to get a lot out of this, but also any players that are about to you know, be of college age or going to juniors, playing juniors, like you should be looking into a school just as much as they're looking into you. And you talked about fit with him. Well, like if I'm going to go play for a coach, I want to play for a coach that, that is just like him. Like, this is a great PSA. And I hate saying this, saying this, cause we had for Schweiler from WMU on my alma mater, you know, last week. And he was so good. And I thought it was like, almost like a great uh advertisement for wmu hockey but i thought this was a great advertisement for asu hockey i mean this is a coach that i'd love to play for also
0: yeah yeah for sure so where would you go arizona state or western
1: (laughs) i mean obviously i love western i wouldn't have had a 10-year pro career if i didn't choose western i don't think but if i was a kid and i was young (laughs) I, I, i mean god you work out you play hockey you sit by the pool You know, heard the search for some of the stories, you know, ah, Western. But ASU's number
0: two. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? Like, I can imagine a kid, you know, you, you kind of have all these preconceived notions about Arizona State and, and where it is. And it's obviously a lot different than all of the other schools. But I can just imagine after having the conversation that we did, um, you know, having been like really excited to go down there for, the, you know, for the picture of what it is. And then when you find out about the substance of what it is, yeah. and who they are and all that, I mean, it's a that's a powerful recruiting trip.
1: Oh, dude. that's why I asked him, like, how much, what's your recruiting, you know, what's your percentage of, of signees to come <laughs> on a trip? Because, you know, like more and more in hockey and business, like all these people are talking about the work-life balance. And, you know, I think s- some people don't understand what it means to work hard. I mean, I think that Whatever your goal is, you need to sacrifice for that. And so a lot of times, like some parts of your life may sacrifice, but successful people want to do that because they love what they do. But to be able to go to a place like after you are in the gym, you know, in video, in the workout room, uh, practicing all these things you're going to do all day. And then you have a couple hours and you can go like sit outside in a lawn chair year round, and get the vitamin D like that is so important for your mental health. Like it it would just sound, sounds like such a perfect place for a student athlete.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But the other thing that I really like that almost kind of counters that is they talked about their arena that they're in right now and how it's not like that, like the, the place that they play, but like the kids love it. Like it's their place. Like this is our barn. Like it's not a bells and whistles kinds of thing. And that's something that we talk about. I feel like we've talked about it on every podcast that we've had for the past two months is just like, There's so many bells and whistles out there, but what's the substance? Like what's the substance of what you're about to do or what's the substance of the organization or program or whatever it may be that you're, you're looking into, whether you're a college player, whether you're a pro, whether you're a a youth player, whatever, like the substance is what's important. And so it was a really interesting, you'll hear coach talk about it. He'll put it much more eloquently than i will in this little preview right now but like their players rally around the fact that there's not bells and whistles and they're just gonna get better and they like those kinds of kids end up choosing that program and that program has elevated because they choose those kinds of kids that just want to get better and it's uh i don't know this was just a great conversation and uh i i learned a lot again i talked take notes like i take notes during these things it's a lot of what he said are things that like if i was building a program i would want to do and uh just very very cool conversation
1: yeah i am i mean he's got a fan in me now for sure there's no doubt about it and a fan uh
0: fan in me <laughs> I was thinking of that. Yeah.
1: yeah, mighty ducks don't they play like that song at the end or something i don't that's, know anyway
0: that's toy story
1: Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well there's all right, anyways, I'm thinking of this song, but anyways, he's got a fan in me and like I'll definitely look for ASU more next year, just because I respect him. I love his approach. The thing he said about like trying to incorporate fun and having guys want to come to the rink, not dread, oh uh, we got a two-hour practice today. That's so so massively important it doesn't mean you let guys off it doesn't mean things are easy you always should find a way to make people enjoy what they're doing they'll get more out of it i mean we always talk about it and to hear a division one coach who's taken a program from year zero to being in the frozen four only a few years later close to the frozen gotta, four cool that i mean Almost that's got that's got to be one of the reasons yeah you know what i mean like yeah. that it just seems so simple to me.
0: We used to to actually talk about that at Cornell with our players all the time. Like being a student athlete is hard, you know, especially at a school like Cornell, the academics and and stuff like that. You know, you're, you're, you're demanded a lot from, um, from a lot of different ways. And we always used to talk about like, make this the best couple hours that you have of your day and, and make this almost like your release from the other tough stuff that you're, you're dealing with as a student athlete. And, uh, You do. I mean, creating that environment. That's what I want to do with my youth organization too. Like my, my main goal is that the kids can't wait to get to the rink. It's the best part of their day is being able to come and be challenged and get better and like have fun with their friends. And there's, um, there's a lot to be said about that for development, for creating culture. And I mean, you even said it before, just mental health. You know, if kids aren't enjoying coming to the rink, that's, that's not good for your mental health. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Why, why are you doing something you don't like? Like, I don't, I don't get that. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm lucky that you and I were both entrepreneurs. It's the same kind of thing, the way I look at like the working world. Like, I don't understand how people can go do a job that they hate every single day. Like I personally believe in YOLO, man. Like you only live once. So if that's true, like, why am I going to do something I hate every single day? You know, I'd rather build my own thing or go and find some way to do something that that I love every day because I truly have never worked. I've had two jobs in my life and I've never worked. And so, like, I try and pass that on to kids coming to me that I'm working with. You know, like, I want you to want to be here so that you want to come so you get better. And, you know, it just makes sense. I will say this, though, too. There is still an onus on players, any players listening to this, it's still up to you to make everything fun. It's not just your coach's job to, you know, be a clown. Like it's his job to find ways to make you want to be there, but you as a player make everything a competition. So it's more fun for yourself, you know, and and that's exactly along the lines that coach was talking about here. So I just wanted to say that too. Like you, there's, you still have to do the work yourself.
0: (laughs) Yeah. There's a personal responsibility to it. And even in tough situations, even as hard as this is to actually execute and is easier, much more easier to say, like, Sometimes you just got to make the best out of a bad situation and you are going to be put in environments that aren't healthy and you are going to be put on, maybe be a part of a a group or a job or a team where there's not a, not a great culture or whatever, but find a way to find a little bit of enjoyment in what you're doing and and make the best out of crappy situations. I mean,
1: what's that called? It's almost like that word that you and I love starts with a P second Part is er.
0: Perfume.
1: Perspective. <laughs> there <you Rirudo>. go. <laughs> He's a baseball player.
0: I'm sorry, Rudo? <laughs>
1: turning, tr- making a bad situation good, man. That's using your perspective. And it's, that's exactly what Coach was talking about with their rink. The boys embraced it. And think about it. If I, I don't know what their rink looks like. I'm going to say, like, if you've got a dumpier rink, the other teams are going to hate coming there. You think North Dakota, who's got, like, the sexiest rink of all time, where they've got every, you know, they've got people doing what, cooking for them, like, whatever. And then they come to, like, a, a rink that's old, beat up, whatever, whatever the case may be. You think they want to be there? No. They're rattled. So, already, like, you're at the advantage. You play there every day. You have fun there. They're coming in like, oh, God, i got to come to this place. Boom. Turning a bad thing into a good thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh... – <sharp inhale> perspective
1: prestige prestige worldwide
0: I'm glad you threw a joke in the end there because I think you're scaring the listeners with that perspective thing (laughs) <laughs> oh, man. Well, good stuff. Well, this was an awesome conversation, and uh, I'm really, really pumped to, to bring it to everybody here today. And uh, before we do get over to Coach, obviously I have some thank yous. We want to thank uh, – I'm going to start it off. I want to thank all the listeners. I, I think, uh, you know, we're over 300,000 downloads, and, and, like, it seems like this following is getting bigger every week. And we we try as best as we can to bring on as wide and diverse of, uh, of a group of, of people to help us and, and to help you learn about the game of hockey and, and educate you and inspire you, and uh, this was certainly one of those. So um, we appreciate all of your support, everything that you've done for us in elevating this podcast to, to where it is today. And uh, we work really hard. Jeff, Jeff drives an hour and a half one way, an hour and a half back to make <laughs> <laughs> to make sure that he's here for you, uh, not by choice, but um but seriously thank you so much i know this is a difficult time for for everybody and uh and the fact that everybody's still listening even though that they're not in their cars on the way to the rink i mean it uh it's it's something that's really special and we appreciate it very much
1: yeah i can't say thanks enough and we'll also say thank you to gel sticks and train heroic our two title sponsors uh now's a great time to get a gel stick you can't be on the ice you know It's a a great tool to work on strength, uh, quickness, uh, learning how to use the flex in your stick. So you can go to gelsticks.com, G-E-L-S-T-X.com, and use our code THINKTANK, one word, to get our discount, and then Train Heroic as well. Train Heroic is one of the cleanest uh, training applications you can possibly get. That's where I have all of my workouts, prep phase, phase one, phase two, hot mom's workout. Any moms out there looking to keep it tight? hit me up guys. Uh, you could just Google train heroic Jeff Levecchio. I'm sure you can go on their website or whatever. DM me on Instagram. Uh, and, and I'll help you uh, with the workouts. And still with this COVID stuff going on, I'm just completely sticking to my guns. Anyone that cannot afford one of my training programs, your, your family's going through a tough time right now. All you got to do is DM me on Instagram your email. I will send you phase one, phase two, or hot mom's workout for free. So do anything I can to help here. And, uh, you know thank you to our sponsors
0: yep absolutely so this was an awesome conversation guys we're really really excited to bring it to you today so without further ado here is head coach of arizona state university greg powers we are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast all the way from sunny arizona greg powers the head coach of arizona state university greg how's it going today Going great, guys. It's great to be on with you, too. Yeah, appreciate you coming on. And uh, we're looking forward to diving into ASU and your journey to, to get it to the, I, I think we could maybe call you a powerhouse, top 15 team, last couple of years in a row, um, especially with you guys just going to Division I a few years ago. But uh, before we do get into that, we, we like to take it way back and, and uh, you know, get to know you a little bit and have our listeners get to know you a little bit, did a little bit of research from Indianapolis, and uh, grew up, wouldn't call it maybe the, the easiest of, of situations. So if you can, you know, talk to us a little bit about your childhood and, and how you got involved in, in the great sport of hockey.
2: Yeah, so. you know, I mean, I started playing when I was three in Indy um, and, and was actually on a really, really good high-level um, travel team, Indianapolis Racers. I think we had, with the, the core group of guys that we had, um, seven of the guys ended up going Division One. Wow. A lot of them were going to Culver. Um, Casey Harris played at Ferris State. Kevin Young played at Notre Dame. Kevin Carlander played at Vermont. Um, That's just the name. Ryan Harris played at New Hampshire. So we had a really good team. So I grew up, I grew up on, on a really highly competitive team. We went to Quebec and, and won the Wee tournament when we were Peewees. And, um, Hello. And, uh, played in the Michigan National League. So I grew up around really good players and, and we had a tremendous coach the entire time for, we were together for almost 12 years. Um, and Huey Harris, which is uh, Casey's dad. And he played at WHA and the NHL. So, so I grew up around really good hockey people, even, even you know, Indianapolis isn't known to be a, uh, a powerhouse of a hockey market, you know, for most people, but that era, we, we had a hell of a team. Um, and it just kind of set the course for all of us to, you know, have a little bit of a life in hockey and, and, uh, and, and we all, when high school started kind of parted, parted ways, I guess, so to speak, some went to Culver, some went to prep school, some stayed in Indianapolis and played AAA, A midget. Um, and, uh, and, and a lot of guys had success from that team.
0: That's really cool. Was this, this must've been like right around the time or right, maybe, before or after Gretzky was in Indianapolis for that one year that he was there, do you think that was a little bit of the reason why there was a little bit of an uptick there?
2: Yeah, maybe he was there. He was there, uh, you know, for a really short period of time. Then obviously got traded to Edmonton, and, and we we were we were too young to really appreciate that. But that that helped hockey in yeah. Indianapolis, and the Racers were a big deal. And our coach Huey Harris played for the Racers, so it, 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 it Indianapolis hockey has been really interesting. When there was pro hockey at a high level, a lot of those guys retired there and the coaching was really good. And that, and that was when the hockey was, was at its highest level when it had those ex pros that were there coaching youth hockey. And then, then pro hockey get, you know, completely, you know, died in Indianapolis and, and it kind of went down a little bit. Now it's back and, and it's making a little bit of a comeback with the fuel in, in the East Coast league.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, obviously we're a hockey podcast here and, and want to get into the hockey stuff, but we also love talking a little bit of life and especially, you know, people that, that help us to get to where we are today. And, and just reading a few articles about you before getting on here, it sounds like you had a hell of a mom, a hell of a mom that did a lot for you and sacrificed a lot for you to to help you to achieve what you've obviously been able to do, which is some amazing things. So if you can just maybe talk about your mom and how she helped you get to where you are.
2: Yeah. She, she's, she's an incredible person, you know, like, I mean, really essentially grew up with a single mom, you know, and, and um, my brother got a full ride uh, to swim at Syracuse when, back when they had a program, they have since dropped their swimming program. But um, so she, she did a great job with my brother and I, and he, he's a few years older than me. And, and she, she just, she didn't um, allow you know, her being a single mom and, and not making a lot of money to prevent us from what we, what we loved and what we needed to do. Everybody knows how expensive hockey is. Um, and she always found a way for me to be able to play and travel and, and, and go through that process. And, and whether it was working three jobs, which she did, um, and, and supporting me, she, she did what she had to do. And she was a great example of, of, of really a mantra we, we have in our program today, no excuses ever. you want something bad enough, you find a way to make it happen. And that's definitely the the biggest thing I learned from my mom was um, there's just no excuse for anything. If you want it bad enough, go get it.
1: I absolutely love that coach. And let me ask you something. When you were younger, did you notice she was sacrificing that much? Like, thinking back, like, did you know how hard she had to work to keep you playing hockey, keep buying you new equipment and stuff like that? Or was it, was there a certain age you hit where you looked back and you're like, Oh my God, like she was a badass.
2: I always knew, you know, I was, I mean, the older you get, the more you appreciate it, obviously. And especially when you get into high school and you, 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 you start to understand um, just, just how hard it is to even fill a gas tank you know, from, from, from day to day. And, and that's, that's how we grew up. That's how, you know, we were lucky enough. And and my, my brother earned a scholarship so she didn't have to pay for his school. Um, But when it was just, just my mom and I living together when he went off to school, you start to notice those things and and, um, how hard it is to just put food in the fridge, you know, and, and, and I mean, she would work all day as a secretary and then she would work for the maid service that cleaned the building that night. So there were nights that she didn't get home till 9, 10 PM. And I, we and then my high school team practiced at um, and that's the biggest reason I didn't go to Colvin. We just couldn't afford it, you know? And, um, but my high school team practiced at 5 30 AM three days a week. So I would be in bed before she would get home. So there were, there were a lot of times throughout high school where um, we didn't see each other, you know, and, 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 but, but certainly appreciated everything that she did. she never missed a game ever. Never missed a game, um, so she, she's been an incredible role model for me, continues to be, and, and we're still obviously very close. And she's incredibly close to my kids and my wife. And she gets out here all, she, all every ch- every chance she gets. And she's retired now. She's she's married. She's happy. Uh, my stepdad's an incredible guy. He entered my life and towards the end of high school, and um, and she hasn't looked back. She's living a great life now.
1: That's amazing. That's what a, what a woman. I mean, absolutely amazing. It's something that I think that looking back to when I was a kid and obviously when at a certain age, when you're younger, you don't notice any of those things going on behind the scenes, whether your parents are well off or somebody like your mom who's working three jobs, but something that I think that coaches should maybe preach a little bit more is like being grateful and thankful and thanking their parents or their grandparents or aunt, uncle, Whoever's helping them get their equipment, whoever's taking them to practice, like I just think that the more like Toph and I get into like mental health, we see how important reflection and being grateful and and especially now with what's going on now, it's even even easier to be grateful for that stuff. But I I wish like in youth sports, especially hockey, I think it's kind of gotten away from that a little bit maybe. And I hope that it starts to come back because. That's a big part of the culture of hockey, like being a good person, being grateful, being thankful. I just think social media sometimes nowadays, it's just showing me, me, me and like and, and skills, skill camps you go to. It's all about me, me, me. And I think that maybe, you know, that's something we just need to have coaches focus on is, you know, hey, like who drove you here? Go give him a hug. Say thank you, you know.
2: Totally agree. Yeah, I, it's my daughter and my son both play. She's 13. She's played AAA boys hockey up until now. and We're figuring out what we're going to do with her. But um, I'm lucky enough to coach her on a girls team in the spring. And, and I, I find myself saying that exact same thing to the girls in the room is, you know, whether it be a spring tournament we go to in Montreal, it's like, hey, Like you're not, you're not going hard enough. And and it's, it's a huge undertaking for your parents to get you here and for them to be here, you owe them a better effort. Like I find myself as a parent, you know, kind of delivering that message and and seeing um, not lack of accountability, but just lack of appreciation from some kids. And, and it's hard, it's hard to see. And, and, but you're right. You know, it, 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 there needs to be more of it. And, and, uh, and I see
0: that a lot. Well, the thing that I find really interesting about it too is, you know, Jeff and I talk about this, like we're big believers in things you learn in life will help you in hockey and things that you learn in hockey will help you in life. And I have to imagine in, in your process of building this Arizona State program from a club team to a Division One team, I have to imagine that the mentality that your mom had that she taught you um, as you were growing up, whether you knew it or not, <laughs> um, has a big part of why you guys are successful as a program right now would that be you think a an accurate statement
2: yeah i mean i think i for sure is you know and and obviously there's so many people here that that deserve credit for getting us to where we are and and we have an incredible staff and and just just administration all around but but our mentality of no excuses ever is is in my opinion you know, one of the pillars of, of, of why we found success. And we say it all the time. When we, we, we jumped into division one hockey, we were ambitious, you know, and, and um, we announced in November and we were a club program and we went division one the following year. We didn't have a roster. We didn't have a staff. We didn't have a, an arena. We didn't have a conference. We didn't have a schedule and we jumped into it. and, And everybody on the outside created excuses as to why we couldn't be successful. Um, we block those out and, and, and we, we have a, a mentality of no excuses ever. We're going to find a way to do it. And, and I think we're a prime example of if if you get the right group of people together that share a genuine passion, and will stop at nothing to make that passion a reality and that vision a reality, um, you're, you're, you're going to get it done. And, and we've done that. And and I mean, our, our, an example is our rink. We have a, an absolute very modest facility at best and <laughs> built, built this program out of and, and our guys embrace it. Now they, they know that the obstacle is the way it's a great book that we've had of our players read where it, it, it preaches how to turn adversity into advantage. And, and we look at our rank as an advantage and, and we, we practice through every day. It, it, it's, it's a crap hole, but it's our crap hole. Right. And, and if you come in, you better be. You tighten your bootstraps and get ready to play. And we win. We win. We win at home, and our guys embrace it. And and if people wanted to say, hey, they're never going to win because they play in a crappy rink, they're never going to win because they're not in a conference, they're never going to win because they hired the club coach. Let all them make the excuses for us, and and and, and we're just going to continue to do what we do and play.
0: Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, for sure. Well, one of the things that uh, you know, I, I talked to, to Fieldsy, who's your assistant coach, prior to you coming on to get a little bit of ammo. I guess we can say to, to give you some crap. No, um, I'm, sure, just to, I'm sure he
2: gave you some good ammo.
0: <laughs> um, but one of the things that he said, that's really important. You guys is building the culture around the right kits, building culture around the right people. And it was interesting because I had uh, um, Ben Sire from Cornell, Todd cannot from Mich- uh, Minnesota state, Mankato and uh, Steve Miller from Ohio state, who I consider three of the best associate head coaches, assistant coaches, whatever you want to call them in the Absolutely. game right now. And I asked him this question that I want to ask you, because I think for you, it's especially with what Fieldsy said is really pertinent. And that's like, how do you, how do you rectify getting the best kids with the right kids? You know, because you have to have talent to win, but also you have to have the, the right kids to win. So yeah. in your guys's process with Fieldsy saying that that was so important to you, um, in your recruiting, How do you rectify the two of those? How do you merge the two of those? And and what's really important to you in in building your roster?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, our mantra here is be the tradition, right? So we've set that from day one. You get to come to Arizona State, a new program, the first Pac-12 school to add hockey, and you have the opportunity to look back in 20 years or whenever your career is over and say you built that and you started that with your best friends. And that, to me, is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to say that you get to build something from scratch and a culture and a program at a power five school um, in a non-traditional market, that, that is an incredible opportunity. And, you know, our passion when we recruit kids that has to resonate back to us. And, 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 you know, a lot of kids want to go to school at Arizona state. It's a great place to live. It's a cool campus. There's a million reasons why it's awesome, but, but, you know, the weather and the palm trees and the pools and all that stuff that can't be why, you want to come here. You, you got to want to come here to put on our Jersey and, and build that program and, and build a culture. And we've, we've done a great job and Fieldsy and Hicksy have done an incredible job at identifying the characteristics of what those kids are and what those kids look like. And we have a room full of them. And, and we don't, we have not found success that we found because we're the most talented team. We found it because we have a great culture. We have a genuine family atmosphere in that room. And we have really good player leadership. Um, and, and the guys the guys all buy into what our culture means. We've defined our culture. It's an overused term. You hear a lot of coaches say, you know, culture, culture, culture. But nobody ever defines what that is, right? We've defined it. It's in every stall. It's, it's all over the lounge. Um, and, I, and I read Pete Carroll's book when we started our program. Um, I always really respected and, and, and envied how he ran his program at USC, they, they, they obviously were very successful. They won, but they just looked like they're always having fun, you know, like, and, and, and they loved each other and they're smiling and they're having fun. And and that's one of our our, our beliefs is if you're having having fun, you're playing free, right? And, if you're, and if, if you're just out there having fun and you show up to the rink and that's the best part of your day, we want to make it so the best part of our day, everybody in our program is when we're at the rink together. We don't want our players showing up to the rink dreading practice that's going to long, you know, be two hours. And an hour and film session, we, we respect our players' time. and We want to make it so when they show up every day, that's the best part of your day. And I think that that just has really helped us develop our culture to where it is. And that's why we're successful.
1: Coach, there was like 15 points there that I was like, yes, on. Oh, like, <laughs> un- unbelievable. I mean – I think I think that everyone needs to listen to that one sentence again, especially some of these youth coaches uh, that maybe didn't play the game and didn't have the, the uh, exposure to like really high level cultures in locker rooms. The best teams everyone plays on, everyone wants to be there. everyone wants to be there and you know I think I think I think the right way is the positive culture and having fun while working hard and competition through fun and all these types of things but even on the teams that I was on where the coach was more of a militaristic type of leader everyone still wanted to be there we all hated the coach but we hated the coach together (laughs) and that (laughs) bonded us and when we were at the rink we were all like hating the coach together. So it was like, we were bonded together. We all wanted to be there, even though we didn't like him, you know, but like, that's so important. And it doesn't matter what level you're at. It does not matter if you're coaching 10 year olds, D one players, NHL players, if they want to walk into that locker room, they're going to want to get better. They're going to want to be around their teammates. Everything goes from there. That's so awesome.
0: Well, it's yeah. And you say that Jeff, like I got a call from an NHL scout today asking about a player that I had coached in the past. And like, that was one of the things that I told him was like, I loved being around this kid at the rink. Like he just, he was always smiling. He always loved being there. And that, that is freaking contagious. You know, like negativity is certainly contagious and you don't want that a part of your program, but people like that, it kind of goes to what you were saying, coach if you guys are talking about that in your recruiting process, those are the kinds of kids that you're going to get within your program. And then you can start to build that unity, build that camaraderie around all those values that, that you think are so important. And yeah, like it's just so much fun to be around good people. It's so much fun to be around good people that are smiling. And and we don't talk about that enough. (laughs) You know, it's, if you're looking at a perfect day, it's, it's surrounded by people that you like. It's surrounded yeah. by people that you, you want to do things with that, that have similar interests as you. And yeah. uh, it sounds like coach, you're like really upfront about that stuff in the recruiting process. And you attract kids that, that just fit in with who you are.
2: Yeah. Well, and yeah. That, that's the biggest thing is exactly what you just said is we, we if we bring in kids that we like, we I are mean, around each other way too much. Uh, way too much, not, not to like who you're around as much as we're around each other. Right. And that's, that's the biggest thing with the staff is building staff is at the end of the day, I'm not going to hire somebody I don't want to have a beer with. Yeah. Um, You know, it's as simple as that. And, and, and players the same, you got to hire like-minded people and you got to, to build an organization around like-minded people. Um, And that's what we've done.
1: What, what would you say if you had to guess? Like you're, you know, you obviously do your due diligence, like you said. You're trying to bring in the like-minded kids for the program. What's your like? I always, as soon as I heard you were getting a program there, I was like, they're going to have a hundred percent commitment rates for anyone that comes on a visit.
0: <laughs> are, you clo- are, are you
1: close to that, or do some guys stay and? And try out for the lifeguard position, because I was wondering if that was open. Uh, I'd like to submit my resume.
2: <laughs> There's very few kids that come out on a visit that don't end up wanting to come here. And, and that's the slippery slope with, with being at such an attractive place. Right. Um, is is identifying the kids that want to be a part of what we're doing for the right reasons. Right. Yep. And, and not the, the right reasons are are, are, are they want to be hockey players at Arizona State. Right. right. They, they, they don't want to come to Arizona state to play hockey. Right. There's a big difference. And, um, and, and that's what we have. We have kids that just they'll stop at nothing to, to, to build our program. One of our, our, you know, core, val- core, core rules is, is leave the program better than you found it. Right. And, 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 uh, everybody has that, but, but the last two senior classes have, have taken that to an, an entirely different level. Like it's so important to them how they've left this program in and, and good standing and, and from, from when they showed up to how much better it is now today than when they left, um, it, it's, it's a staple that's just going to continue on. And when you have that, um, man, there's going to be a lot of growth here. We're just scratching the surface, barely
1: how'd you get them to buy in those, those older guys? Like you don't have to give specific examples, but like every school says that leave the program better than you found it. Yeah. And I think about some of the guys and in, in old upperclassmen when I got to Western and they're all great people do not get me wrong. I actually, I love all of them, mm. but like they, they kind of went the way of wanting to be the lifeguard versus wanting to try and play hockey, you know, some of them. And so how do you, how, how are you getting your seniors to like truly care and truly do the right things and show the freshmen and the, the sophomore the right way? What do you, what kind of things are you doing? Leadership seminars or?
2: Yeah, I mean, all that. You just, you just got to stay true to, to, you just stick to your guns. I mean, we, trust me, we've made mistakes. We've made tons of mistakes here as we've grown our program. And, and there's been kids that have come in that haven't bought in. Um, and, and because we knew we were going to take lumps, a lot of lumps, those first couple of years. And we did. Um, but the kids that stayed true to what we wanted to become and, and, um, didn't lose sight of, of, of what we knew we could, if we just stuck to our guns are the ones that it paid off for. And, um, it it all turned when, you know, you just need to taste a little success and, and and then you get kids to really go, Hey, you know, it's working. Like everything that we're doing is working. And it was in our first, that was our second full season as a division one program. We went to a tournament in Las Vegas. There were three other top 20 teams. We weren't top 20, but it was Michigan tech was really good that year. Northern Michigan was having a great year in Boston college. And, um, and we went uh, and won, we won, we won, we won a trophy as as a second year program with three top 20 teams in the field. And, and then the next weekend, we had UMass Lowell, who's a top 15 team at home, and we beat them on Saturday night. So it just started to pick up steam. Um, and that's all it takes is just a little bit of success. And the guys felt it. Um, and then the very next year, you know, we don't look back um, and took huge steps and and, and ended up making a, an NCAA tournament in our third year.
0: Not bad. <laughs> Not bad at all. Uh, well, well, that's I mean, that's unreal. And, and I have to imagine, like, I'm a big believer that a, uh, a program takes on the personality of their head coach and their coaching staff. And, and I look at your, your background, you know, first of all, you didn't play division one, but you're a freaking hall of famer at Arizona state as a player. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but, you know, you didn't play division one. Then I look at at Alex Hicks, who was a division three player that played over 250 games, in the NHL. And then fields, he's a friend of mine. I know how scrappy he is. Like, I, that's gotta be a huge part to your program. It's just a scrappy, get it done. You like, even your, you're saying is no excuses ever, you know, how is that permeated within your group and and how have you gotten the kids to really buy into that? Is, is a lot of it just the way that you guys live as a coaching staff and how you guys act on a day-to-day basis?
2: Yeah, we're a pretty fiery group, you know, and (laughs) we play hard. Sometimes we get accused of playing too hard, you know, and, and, and and I love that. I, I, we embrace that hard and heavy mentality um, and, uh, and that's, you know, Alex Hicks was the first guy I hired and he, he, his story is incredible. I mean, he, he played division three hockey at Wisconsin Eau Claire and, and turned himself into a legit NHL player. Um, and, and had an incredible pro career and, and maybe was the best division three hockey player ever. I mean, you could argue that he was that good. And he, 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 so, so I knew when we did this and I was friends with Hicksy. Um, he lived here, he ended up coaching on the club team with me our last year. And then, and then this happened, it was a crazy story how it happened, but it happened and, and, and they decided to keep me on and give me a shot, but I knew I needed to get pedigree on my staff and, and, and to the point where, uh, somebody that knew what it took to get there. Cause, cause you have to know what it takes to get to the NHL. If you're going to get those kids that want to play in the NHL what guy knows better to get to the NHL than a guy like Alex Hicks that did it with no resources playing division three hockey. He did it for himself. He knows exactly what it takes to get there. And where else do you want to go and, and, and play for a guy that knows every day, what you need to do to get to the highest level in the world. Nothing was handed to that guy, nothing. He worked for everything he got. So, so he, he was a no brainer for me. I knew I could trust him. Um, we work really well together. He's forgotten more about the game than I'll ever know the details of the game and, and, and all that good stuff. Um, you know, and, and we learn from each other every day and then we needed to go get a guy that, that understood and knew the player pool and knew how to evaluate talent, the level that we were going to need to to bring in. And, and one that, that was like-minded with us and just kind of operated every day with a little bit of a chip. And and certainly Fields he does that you know he 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 was fortunate enough to learn from some unbelievable guys in Dubuque like uh, Jim Montgomery and Matt Shaw and and Oliver David who has ended up being a hell of a coach just got USHL coach of the year out. yeah and, I mean so so the 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 staff we have I'm I'm really proud of we're we're all great friends we're very close and um, Hixie and Fieldsy are at two opposite ends of the spectrum I'm kind of in the middle and and it works. <laughs> it works really well.
0: Yeah. That's, that's really cool. And I have to imagine like, if I ever am a head coach of any, you know, any program of any capacity, like your, your most important decision is who you hire as your assistant coaches. for sure.
2: You can't hire yes men. I don't think, I think you got to hire people that are going to make you think, and you can learn from, and it's okay to hire someone that knows more about something than you. That's a good CEO's do. Think of a CEO doesn't hire a CFO that knows less about finance than him, <laughs> right? I mean, it, it's that's you, you can't have an ego and um, it's okay. It's okay to hire a Mike Field knows more about evaluating talent than I do. You know, and that's why he's here. And that's why we're successful. You have to hire people that are great at what they do and you got to let them do their job.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, I wanted to ask you, because this is obviously, I mean, you guys are are so still young in your program and have had so much success, but I wanted to kind of bring it back to, to when this all kind of came about um what happened what was the conversation like when you first were either approached or you approached somebody I don't know the backstory of how you guys became a division one program um but what was what was that experience like and and I have to imagine that there were you were working 28 hour days uh at some junctures during this journey uh to to help elevate this program to be division one
2: it's a crazy story. I'll, I'll try to tell it in the cliff note version. Um, so this was never planned. Like nobody, nobody ever tried to make hockey division one at Arizona state. It was never even in my mind. All, all, all I wanted to do was, was I had a successful recruiting company that executive recruiting company that, that I owned and, and ran. And I coached our club team. We were incredibly, we were good. Like we had a really high, high, high-level club team. We won a national championship. We beat Penn State in their hybrid year. Uh, We were really good. So we were good. We we wanted to have the best club team in the country, and we did. Um, We won a national championship. Um, Our beat writer for the student paper uh, got an interview with the just-hired then athletic director who's now my boss and good friend Ray Anderson. And um, So he got an interview with him, went into Ray's office, and um, and I'll, I'll never forget. I was walking out of Carlsbad Tavern in, in Scottsdale for lunch and it was like 120 degrees out. <laughs> and Justin, the student newspaper uh, kid calls me up. He's like, Hey, I just interviewed Ray Anderson. And, and I was like, really about what he's like about hockey. He took an interview and I went and interviewed him and I said, Hey, do you know how good our club program is? They just won a national championship. What would it take for you to elevate that program to division one. And Ray is a very open-minded guy. He's a progressive thinker, um, came from the national football league. And and Ray said, if the financial wherewithal presented itself, we would, we would go division one, but it would have to present itself. Justin printed that article. He actually asked me, he said, Hey, what do you think it would take? How much money? And I I was like, I don't know, 30, 40 million bucks. And I should have said 80 because he printed. (laughs) And the next day, some guys that supported our club program called me up and they said, Hey, did you see that article? Go tell them that we have 32 million put together. And, and we want to, we want to see if he's going to put his money where his mouth is. So like, God! Like, are you kidding me? And, 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 that's exactly how it happened. Like it just had, like it was, it was, it was, it happened in like 48 hours. And, and so I, I contacted, I never even met Ray cause we were, we were just a club program. We didn't fall under athletics. So I contacted the guy that that was my direct line into campus, and and two days later, it was me sitting in a a, a meeting with eight athletic directors and, and the donors on on a conference call, and um, three months later, we had a press conference announcing we were going to Vision One. Wow. That is so
0: cool. Wow. That is unreal. I mean, it's a testament though. It is a testament to like your alumni is kind of like the lifeblood of your program. Your mm-hmm. alumni are the major donors. They're the ones that have laid the, the groundwork for everybody that you know comes in the future. And the fact that they were so willing to give back to the program in that capacity to help it out. I mean, you talk about leaving the place better than you found it. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the freaking definition of it right there. So the, the culture that you and probably previous coaches uh, to you had, had laid forth, allowed this all to happen. So I think some people might even see this story as like, almost like luck kind of like happenstance, but it's, it's really not. It's, it's all these years of hard work that people enjoyed themselves at Arizona state to elevate it to where it was. And that's why you were able to get the support from the people that had the pretty deep pockets. <laughs> so wow. I think that's really cool.
2: No, that's that's for sure. Exactly, that's it's 100 it's percent accurate. I mean, there's 30 years of history of the sport at this school, you know, and, and and it was at the club level. But but we've embraced everybody that's ever played the sport at Arizona State as our alumni, and because we wouldn't be here without any of them. And, and so we, we have a large alumni base, and and it's just continuing to grow. And um, boy, we jumped into it fast, you know, and 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 there was a lot of work to be done, like you said, and. Um, and and uh, we're just we're just now feeling like we're 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 getting traction, you know. It's it's been it's been a whirlwind, but it's been a lot of fun.
0: Well, take me through, you know, your first couple years of, of building this thing because, you know, you, I'm sure you had some ideas and blueprints of things that you wanted to do and how you were going to accomplish them. But I have to imagine a lot of it was just freaking trial by error and just doing things. And it seems like you're an out of the box and fields. You even say, I love thinking outside the box and being creative with different things. Like, take me through maybe those first couple years and some of the things that you learned and, and some of maybe the the crazy experiences that you got to have in. in in building this thing
2: yeah you know i mean it was it was it, you know even just getting the job was 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 obviously a crazy piece of it because um all, i just wanted it to happen i wanted division one hockey at arizona state when we saw the opportunity that it could happen the conversation with ray is i know i can do it i know it sounds crazy that 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 you might consider hiring your club coach but don't hire me If you think um, I'm the best guy for the job, hire me if you think I'm the only guy for the job. And if you don't think I'm the only guy for the job, I will get out of the way and help you find the best guy that we can find and and be the first to buy season tickets and do anything I can to support it. Um, And and two weeks later, he said he was going to hire me. And so we didn't look back. There was a lot of work to be done. I think that a lot of the reason why they kept me on was because there were a lot of unanswered questions. We didn't have an arena. We didn't have a conference. We didn't have an administration that really knows the sport and is familiar with with the, the inner workings of, of hockey. Um, so, so I think they knew they needed to hire somebody that was gonna just kind of roll the punches and 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 understand that 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 it was gonna it was gonna be hard, you know, and 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 we we're gonna have to figure a lot of things out as we went. Um, but I knew just from a, a business background that the first thing I had to do was hire people around me that 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 could do things that I knew I couldn't do um, and that's what I did and, and and so I think we put together a staff that is still intact that we had from day one and, and and we we haven't looked back we made some mistakes obviously when you jump into it as fast as you do you're gonna make some recruiting mistakes you're gonna learn a lot as you go. And, and, and the one thing that I'm really proud of is that um, we played anybody and anybody that would play us and we, we, we would go anywhere. We played as tough of a schedule as we could play, had a lot of long nights, Um, you know, and, and I mean, we did a three and three that first year uh, hybrid year where we played UMass Lowell on Friday and Saturday and Merrimack on Sunday. We were down nine, nothing going into the third period against Merrimack. Um, (laughs) You know, so it, it was a lot of long, long, long nights and, 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 um, but, but man, it's, it's, it's all been worth it, you know, and, and it and feels and I look back on a lot of the things that we've done and what we've gone through and, and, and it, it's made us better. You know, the obstacle is the way we've, we've gone through a ton of adversity here and, and found a way to, to turn all that adversity into our advantage. And, um, and we think we're going to have a hell of a team this season and, and, and have a chance to do some really big things
0: yeah that's unreal and and speaking of that you know obviously you getting the job um i i always felt like when i got into college hockey uh as a as an assistant coach i thought that that the community as a whole was very welcoming you know if you needed something that people would be there for advice and and all that kind of stuff but i know that there was some people in the college hockey world that were like are they serious they're they're hiring greg powers as their coach Like <laughs> the hell are they doing? You know? So I guess two part question. One is, did you ever get a sense of that? Like, was there anybody that kind of stuck their nose out at you and kind of was like, you don't really deserve this job. Like what, what, what's going on? Um, and then like, how did you kind of react and how did you act when, uh, you know, when you would get the questions about, you know, you're a, you're a club coach and you're getting this division one job that there's probably 50 other people that are highly qualified and maybe could have done the job and other people think they could do the job better and stuff like that. Like, how did you, how did you handle that?
2: Yeah. I mean, that it, absolutely happened. Right. And, and, and on the flip of it, there were a lot of people that supported me. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. So the, the, the brunt of my focus was on making sure that the people that did support me that I, I, I helped prove them right. Right. And, 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 and focus on that positivity and that support, not the negativity. There are a lot of guys out there that I think were, were rattled that they didn't get a chance to interview at a place like Arizona state guys that, that, that thought maybe that they put in, um, you know, the work and, and had the experience and, and gone through the grind of, of what the, you know, traditionally you have to, to be a division one head coach, but they also don't have a clue of the work that was put in here to get us to where we are at, you know, yeah. and, and, and the sacrifices that were made and, and, and all those guys, a lot of the guys that turned their nose up are now really good to us and, and good to me. And, and um, you know, it's, it's the funny thing. It's what they say about respect is, is you can't always demand respect. You just can't. And sometimes you can't even earn respect, right? Cause the, 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 you, you can't just earn it you, like some, you're not going to just get it back because you want to earn it, but you can give it. And generally, you know, if you give people respect um, you almost always will get it back. And that's the way we've gone into this is, is we've tried to give everybody the respect that they deserve, regardless of, of, of how they treat us or how they view us. And and I think now we're getting a lot of respect back. And, and um, you know, sometimes people are afraid of what they don't know and they're afraid of, um thinking outside of the box and being progressive and 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 we're really proud that we've stuck to our guns and um and and gotten us to where we are and 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 uh and like I said we we really feel like we're we're barely scratching the surface of what we can be
1: it's unbelievable coach and there's everything you're saying like so awesome I absolutely love everything and I'm sitting here thinking you know you going through how you got the job and, you know, they, obviously you said other guys wanted it. They thought they deserved it because they've been to wherever. I hope a lot of players listen to this episode. Cause I think that your story parallels, you know, kids who want to play at the next level and you're telling them what, what you have to do and things like that. But for coaches also, I think it's big. Like I, I'm always like that saying, dress for the job you have, but not like pretend to be something you're not, but like, look at a guy who's where you want to be. And then kind of model your, your life after that. Like, is he getting up in the morning and skating? Is he going and working out for three hours? Like, like he's the NHL guys are doing this. I want to be in the NHL. I should be doing something at least like that, like a regressed version probably. So my question is when you were coaching at the club level, like were you doing the same things that you're doing now as a D one coach? Were you like taking it as serious as you possibly could? Cause I know some guys that play club in some, some places are very professional. Lindenwood here, Maryville University here in St. Louis. They both take it very seriously. Team workouts, but then I know guys who played club at other places, both D one and and D two, and it's it's way less serious. So, how did you conduct your business to be able to put yourself as a coach in an opportunity to jump up levels?
2: Yeah, it, it's and that's one of the biggest things that I learned is, is we we were really successful. So, I was the head coach for five years at the club level. We were one hundred and sixty nine and twenty three. We won a national championship. We went to three straight final fours. We were really good. We were very successful. And, and I ran it as, as seriously as I could. I didn't pick up the phone to recruit a kid until after March because I wanted the best players. I wanted guys that were maybe getting walk-on opportunities or, or, or really high-level Division three opportunities. Our last year of club hockey, we had seven kids that played the USHL, seven. So we, we were really good. And, and, um, and, and the whole, the whole deal when I recruited a kid was you get to come to Arizona state and you, you, we're going to give you a first class college hockey experience. Um, and and you get to fly to games, You, you get to go to Arizona state, you get a degree from a power five institution, you get to play 40 games as opposed to 25 games. Um, so we had, we had a, a pretty well oiled machine to the point where, obviously some very successful people willing to put $32 million behind it and, and elevate us, right? So um, it, it, that's the thing about, about quote-unquote club hockey and ACHA hockey, and you said it. So many people just automatically think because it's non-scholarship that, that it, 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 it's, it's that, that stigma of club where it's mismatched uniforms and, and students are running it. It's not the case, like th- there are so many good coaches in the ACHA. It's a joke. Like you, you mentioned one, Lindenwood, Rick Zombo. That guy played a, I mean, played a really long, successful NHL career, and he's been incredible. Lindenwood, that's an unbelievable program that should go Division One. They have a women's Division I program. They have an unbelievable facility, um, and there's so many guys like him. There are really high-level coaches at that level. That 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 are they're funded by an athletic department. that just don't have scholarships. So, um, you know, I mean, it, it's the largest body of hockey within USA Hockey is the ACHJ. There's Division One, Two, II, and Three. There's only sixty Division One teams like NCAA, and then there's a ton of Division Two and Division Three. But the top twenty Division One programs are legit. They're good, you know. And and we were 169 and 23 at that level in the five years that I coached. Um, and and the biggest thing that I think that I learned was, you know, when we elevated was kids are kids, you know, now I just get to coach better players, um, and they're more talented, but, but they all want the same thing. They don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. Oh, you just got
0: Jeff. You just got Jeff. There you go. (laughs) He's got got a
1: Mohawk and he's dropping truth bombs.
2: (laughs) And it's the same. It's the same with kids that want to play in the NHL. Like they're not going to listen to you until they know how much you care about. And, and so um, that was, that was how we ran the program at, at the ACHA level. And, and, you know, that's how we run it now. It's, it's no different, you know, yeah. it's almost easier now. Now I have all these resources. I have, I have an army of people that work with, the, you know, a staff and administration and, you know, uh, financial resources that we never had, you know, and in many ways it's easier now.
0: Yeah. Wow. 88% win percentage. Not bad coach. Holy crap. (laughs) (laughs) I I just did the math on my, uh, on my calculator. Um, so that's, (laughs) um, so I, I wanted to ask you, so, you know, there's obviously been a lot of ups and downs in, in your career in, in bringing your team to division one and, and the adversity that you guys had to, to fight to get there. But take me through your emotions and, and the feelings watching that NCAA selection show last year. And yeah, that, that must've awesome. been incredible.
2: It was crazy. I mean, it, you know, I always watch it as a fan, right. And a college hockey fan and, and so, 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 you know, you're, you're at this, we had it at our golf course and unbelievable clubhouse, tons of people came. Um, there's a ton of media there. And then, and then you get tapped on the shoulder to go leave and, and do an interview on ESPN. And you're like, what the hell's going on? Like, you <laughs> know, like it's, there's so many pinch me moments that we've had. Um, and I think the biggest one was honestly, when we showed up in Allentown and you always watch, regionals and 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 see the blue the blue logo of of the school on the dashboard at ncaa tournaments and and i remember walking in for our first practice and seeing arizona state and just being like wow like this is crazy you know like and and it's just happened so fast um and to be an alumni and, and a guy that that's been here through so many different phases of our program um it was incredible but but the whole experience was was really special.
0: Yeah, I have to imagine so. And and but for me, honestly, like the fact that you guys made the NCAA tournament is is something incredible and special. But I think your your best job is the job that you did this year. Because once you once you get there, it's hard to stay there. And you guys had all this success and it's really easy as a program to have that success and then just kind of rest on your laurels. And you see a lot of programs getting there and then the next year don't have as much success, but you guys were right up there again this year. And so for me, like that is an incredible job in and of itself. So how did you, how did you go about structuring the year uh, in terms of maybe not even necessarily expectations, but just continuing with your culture and, and working as hard as you did to get here, to make sure that you stay there. Was that something that you talked about a lot with your guys? How did you handle that?
2: Yeah. I think we just had a special group of kids that weren't content. I mean, it it was, we went into the NCAA tournament for the first time expecting to win. Our guys really did. And we dropped a a close one, two to one to a really good Quinnipiac team and and returned a lot of the guys and they were hungry to get to a frozen Four, Um, And and they believed that we could accomplish that all season. And, And there was genuine confidence. We, we ended the season at Wisconsin and they swept us and it's not how you obviously wanted to end it, but um, may, it was a different field this year. We, we literally didn't care who we played. We thought we were going to go and 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 make a frozen four this year. We really did. It was a, it was a genuine belief that nobody doubted. Um, not one you can fake. Where last year we, we wanted to go in and get a win and we thought we could, but not knowing what you're getting into for the very first time, feeling things out. You could still feel that a little bit where this year um, it was, it was real and everybody's going to say that. Right. But, but, but the difference in feeling between our first time around and, and preparing for the tournament this year before, you know, it, everything ended um, it was so much more genuine. Um, You know, we, we had an unbelievable senior class that, that, you know, and a captain in Brinson Paschnup who, turned down NHL offers specifically to come back to try and get it to a frozen four before he graduated. Ugh. Um, and, uh, and, and, uh, and he, he, you know, he's bounced, he's signed with San Jose. So he's, he's fine. But, but, uh, but that's all he talked about all year, you know, is, is, is I came here to win a national championship. I could have gone anywhere I wanted and he could have people laughed at me, but I came here to build a program. I came here to build a culture, and, 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 and he got laughed at by scouts and, and other college programs saying you want to be a serious hockey player. Why are you going there? And, and Brinson came here and, and he, he turned this whole thing into what it is um, it, with, with the three guys that he graduated with. And, uh, and that's what I'm most proud of, you know, is, is, is those kids who could have gone so many places, saw the vision and, 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 and made our vision a reality.
0: Well, they certainly made it a reality. And you guys have done an incredible job doing it. And uh, I'll tell you what, just sitting here, I mean, if I was a recruit, I'd freaking want to go to Arizona State, not even knowing about the palm trees and the, and the weather and all that kind of stuff, just hearing your vision for the program. So I, I think it's incredible. But before we let you go, I, there's one person that honestly is one of my favorite people ever to, to watch on TV, and that's Herm Edwards. Um, Herd Edwards is a, a football coach or the football coach at Arizona state. Now, um, have you, have you gotten the chance to interact with him much all the time? Yeah. What is he like in real life? Exactly what you
2: see on. Oh,
0: TV. that's so cool.
2: <laughs> like there's no, no fake. It's not in his DNA. What you see is what you get a hundred percent of the time we've had him come talk to our team. And, and it how was that? It's incredible. We had him come talk to our team uh, on senior night last year before we played AIC. And uh, and I think we went up four one before you can blink, you know, like he, he's, he's, a, he's an unbelievable guy. We're lucky to have him here. He's, he's, he's rubbed off on everybody at ASU athletics and, and in an in, in incredibly positive way. And he's here for the right reasons. He doesn't have to be here. Obviously what he's accomplished and, where he's coached and what he's been. He's here to build a program and make Arizona state football, you know, that sleeping giant that everybody always says that it is and, and make that a reality. And he's doing it. He's doing it.
0: Yeah. Jeff, do you even know who Herm Edwards is? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> he's but a Sounds like a beauty. He is, uh, he used to be a a NFL football coach, head football coach in the NFL. And then he went on to ESPN, like just an incredible personality. Like he's got to be a person that when you're around him, you just want to kind of like bottle his energy up and just like hope to drink it at some point.
2: Yep. He's on, he gets up at like 3am every day, goes and works out. He's an animal. He just turned 66 Monday. It's unreal. And he's got more energy than all of us combined. (laughs)
1: <laughs> what is a, what a savage and before we let you off here too i want to say one more thing I, i'm uh, buddies with jacob wilson defenseman on your team and i thought it was pretty cool i texted him yesterday i said hey man having your coach on tomorrow give me some ammo and he wrote back he's like i really don't have any ammo other than he's got a mohawk right now that he won't cut <laughs> <laughs> and, and so right away i was like college hockey coach with a mohawk a like go. awesome but B, uh, you know, most guys, when you call them and you're like, give me some ammo on your coach, especially if it's somebody who you've known for a while, like they'll give you an inside track, you know, whatever, maybe a couple daggers, maybe some funnies. He didn't want, he didn't say anything. And I, I was just like, that's pretty cool. Like he obviously, you know, and then getting to hear you speak today and seeing you talk and, you know, I, I mean, I think you should write a book personally. Um, <laughs> I, would, I both would read it. And, and then I'd have him <laughs> give me the cliff notes, um, and and like it's just a really really cool story and I love everything you stand for and I see why you guys have been able to do what you do and to take a program from where you've been able to take it to where it is and obviously it wasn't only you but like just very cool and the way that you think is everything that Toph and I say so thank you so much for coming on it was that was that's my pleasure
2: you guys do great stuff for the game and we appreciate all you guys do as well and yeah. Willie's a good kid. I'm glad you know him. He's going to be our captain next year. He's That's a special. Awesome. I knew he
1: was a captain since he was a kid. Like he's just, yeah. he's that, he's, he's kind of that guy that I was saying earlier, like dress for the job you want. Like, you know, he's always looked up to Cam Jansen and you know, yep. his cousin Brock Wilson and, and older guys like me and some other guys who played a little bit before him. And he always came to the rink. Like, even though he was younger, he was a guy who was always prepared always like stretching or doing something before always giving it a hundred percent, whether it was may, June, July, August, it didn't matter. And I've always respected that kid. So it's been really cool to watch him have a good college career. And that hit that he had, I don't know if that was last year or the year before, my God, Tophie, if you haven't seen it. Oh yeah. I
0: saw it. And he didn't play in the NCAA tournament because of it, right? Oh yeah. That That would have been, yeah. I remember that.
2: He's, he's, he's a stud. Like he, a four Oh student, Pillar of our program, he'll he'll be like always looked at as as like one of the founding fathers of Arizona State at the NCAA level. That's that's how highly we think of that kid.
1: That's really cool. Must so we're calling him the Godfather. Then, <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. so, <laughs> so with that coach, if, if we can get you for one more question here, like I, I want to know because everything was really new for you guys, you know, in in getting to be a Division One program. How much did you involve the players? in setting you talk about be the tradition like how much of that is their input and how much of that is you know them kind of putting their foot forward and their ideas in in all that as you were kind of building things
2: a ton of it a ton of it a, a huge part of it i mean we we've we've we kind of designed the framework of what we want our culture to look like by defining it and then taking the input from players that came here and gave us a chance and wanted to build this with us. And now it's their culture and we just kind of protect it as a staff and enforce it. Right. Like they have to live it and breathe it and sleep it. Uh, and they do it with kids like Jacob Wilson. Like he, he's the epitome of it in every way. Um, you know, and, and, and when you have kids like him um, and Brinson and, and the guys that we have, like, man, it makes your job easy. It really does. You know, it, it it's, you're only as good as, 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 as your players you know, and, and how they show up and their approach to wanting to get better every day. And, and when you have kids like him that, that make it easy on you, it, it's fun to be at the rink every day.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, I, like I said, I think I mentioned it earlier. I had Todd Cannott from Minnesota State on a YouTube thing that'll be coming out this week. And one of the things that he talked about, he's Hastings' uh, associate head coach right now, Jeff, in Minnesota State. And he talked about, like, they actually put a huge premium on recruiting captains. You know, they don't do a lot of um, young recruiting. Uh, they want to make sure, I shouldn't say they want to make sure, but they love it when they can get kids that have played two years of juniors because typically in that second year, you're you're playing that leadership role and, and you have to be a little bit more of a leader. Is that something that you guys talk about? Because it, it really sounds like you guys put a huge premium on bringing the right kids in. And then uh. we dealt with it at Cornell. Um, you know, you talk about we were actually kind of lucky. We almost looked at it as a... Uh, in the recruiting process as a benefit, the fact that we weren't sexy. You know, we're not the Harvards, we're not the Princeton's, we're not the Yale's. Uh, we're in a small town in in upstate New York. Like it takes a certain type of kid to want to go to a school like that. But at the same time, you know, we had to ferret out some of the kids that wanted to come to an Ivy league school because it was an Ivy league school, you know, because a little bit of elitist feeling type stuff. So bringing in the right kids that can have that kind of mentality that fit with your culture, you know, you guys, I know I kind of asked the question before, but that must've been just a huge premium for you to help drive your program to where it is today. Absolutely.
2: You want kids that, you know, are genuine leaders, and 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 one of the best traits you can have as as a freshman or a new player in a program is is understanding the importance of being a good follower. Like followship is and, and falling in line and, and and establishing a culture where that that's the case where you respect your captains and and the guys that have laid the work the groundwork before you. That's what this is all about. And that's why we're in such a good place, because we brought in kids like Jacob Wilson and and Dom Garcia, where where they were captains pretty much their whole life. And they come into a new program as a freshman. And yeah, we might not have been a winning program yet, but but they're just such good kids. And they respect so much the rigors that the guys before them went through that everything just fell into place. And it's all it's it's all goes back to just getting the right personalities um, in your locker room.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, we appreciate your time so much here today. It's funny; it's been a quick turnaround. We connected a couple of days ago, and I was like, "Gotta get him on." So, <laughs> um, but honestly, like you know, I'm really glad that we did because I think your guys' story, as a program, and your story too. I mean, I think there's going to be so many of our listeners that are going to get a lot out of it. You, you embody what Jeff and I want to display to the hockey world in in everything that you have gone through and, and how you've built the, the program that you have. I, I completely mean it when I say it that like, I'm ready to frickin play for you. If, if you're ready for me, if I can get I'm ready. No, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, no, we appreciate your time so much. And uh, hopefully the family is safe and healthy in, in your 120 degree weather out there and in Scottsdale as it snowed here last week in, in New York, but Uh, it is what it is, but thanks so much for your time. And uh, we really appreciate it.
2: We appreciate you guys too. keep doing what you guys are doing. Everybody loves it.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Maybe you're lucky. You got half a Jeff, Jeff, not shirtless today. (laughs) (laughs) The sleeve sleeve monster got him, but uh, (laughs) it's all good. So um, yeah, well, we'll uh, I'm sure we'll talk again some point soon. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks guys.